Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace. Father, we thank you again. We give you praise. We bless your name. In Jesus' mighty name. So, last Wednesday, we said a couple of things. I want us to continue today, amen. I don't want to recap too much so that um, I just, you know, pick out some stuff and then we'll go. First, we started by, you know, praying, and that I really want to refresh your mind about. I told us that in John chapter 7, I think from verse 36, 35, 36, 37, the last day of the feast, Jesus came and lifted up his voice and said, If any is thirsty, let him come and drink. For out of his belly, No, 36. Let's see 36. And we, uh, can, we, can, can you try the old King James? 36. John 7, 36. Okay. Am I in the right place? 37. Okay, let's see 37. Yes, you're right. You know, I like the old King James. Amen? Amen. That does not mean I don't like that translation. But on the lighter side, you know, King James have, um, you know, every trade has what we call seduction of eloquence. Hello? Meaning for every trade, there's a way you speak. If you meet lawyers, it's not as if they can't speak present day English. They use outdated Greek English so that you can be confused. And by speaking, hearing, daring, dear wits, your bill is increasing. Are you following? That's what they do. If you come, like I told a, a, a friend who came out of school, and he's a civil engineer, when he went to site, some of those very experienced foremen wanted to confuse him because they've been seasoning it. So I said, you didn't school for five years for nothing. When you get back to that site, refuse to talk with the terms they know. Don't ever call pillar. We don't call it pillar. It's column. <laughs> don't make mention of any of those common terms they use. And if you, if, if you talk pillar, what is pillar? Oh, oh, is that what you put as column? And stay with it until you earn your respect. <laughs> And he did that. For the next one week, he refused. He was using terminologies that were used. And he knows this man knows it very well. But now that we have moved to this seduction of eloquence, the guy was confused. Amen? Like my project, I read civil engineering, but my project from, was from geology. I was a geologist, so it was more tilted to geology. So I was investigating shallow aquifers and exploring underground water. So my supervisor made sure I was abreast of the terminology. So he told me when I go to defend, I should not speak normal civil engineering language. So for instance, trying to tell them that what we're actually basically doing is to find the resistivity of the different layers underground. You know, he said, no, that's not how we say it. You say that we're trying to investigate the subsurface lithology. <laughs> so the guys shake their head and be wondering what are you saying? I spoke a lot of English. You know, those English help you to earn more money, amen? So on the lighter note, I realize that this message translation and the rest, they are watching that on our own. So when I want to pray for you right now, now we pray, oh God bless you, let him help you, let your days be brighter, let him be, no, 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 how will you know I'm the prophet? Hi. But when I come to you and say, oh thou that dwellest in the heavens, that circles the radius of the seraphims and the cherubims. For no man knoweth whence thou comest from and whither thou goest. <laughs> Even you are feeling that I'm more anointed now, don't you think so? <laughs> Just a joke, amen. Anyway, I'm, I'm so used to King James. That's, forget what I said, amen. We don't do it like that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man tears, let him come unto me and drink. Look at the next verse, 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow 
rivers of living water. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next verse 39. Look at 39. But this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But the good news right now is that the Holy Ghost is given because Jesus has been glorified. Hallelujah. And in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, as they were gathered, the Holy Ghost was released upon the earth. And from that day onwards, the Spirit never departed again. So as many as are born again and yield to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. So they become the fulfillment of what Jesus was saying here. But let's go back to Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 15. Isaiah 32, 32, 17. 32, 17. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to quickly run. 32, okay, 15. 15, I think it's 15. Glory to God. 15. Yes. Until. Say until. until. Hello, say until. until. Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest listen to me there is there's something that is beautiful here he said how do you get a wilderness to become a fruitful field it's not by negotiation it's not by mental analysis the bible says until the spirit be put upon us from on high when that happens the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field will be counted for a forest you know there was a question that mary asked the angel when the angel told mary that she will conceive and bring forth a child as a virgin but it's no mary i've never seen that happen no precedence before then he had never heard that any virgin conceived and brought of a child so she turned to the angel and said how shall this be seeing that i know not a man and you know the angel answered him what the angel said is that the holy ghost shall come upon you the power of the most high will overshadow you oh and like i conclude and that which is called impossible will be made possible it's the same thing that is said here that when the spirit of god is poured upon us the wilderness become a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Meaning, in any, in any endeavor you find yourself, what causes productivity and fruitfulness is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Oh, is the outpouring of Holy Ghost. Listen, the Bible says it's not by power, it's not by mind, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So it says, until the spirit be poured upon us, until it be poured upon us from before then everything will be barren. But when it's poured upon us, everything becomes fruitful. Praise the Lord. So but now what happened is that we now get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. So what now happens is that we are not waiting for any outpouring from anywhere again. Because out of our belly shall proceed gushing torrents of living water. It means there's a self-generating river in every believer. Listen, it means that from here right now, you can open a tap that will bring gushing rivers into your estates, into the things you're found doing. It means, listen, if you're a spirit-free believer, from now, you can decide what river and what measure of river you see in what you're involved in. Let me explain again. I am saying that once you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you are no longer waiting for God. God is waiting for you. Once the man is filled with the Holy Ghost, there is a river flowing and it makes glad the city of God. And we also saw in Ezekiel chapter 47 that this water flowed from the eastward of the temple and we know that it was the temple of the Holy Ghost so prophetically what Ezekiel was talking about was a generation of people like you and I and this river is flowing from the east it's coming sir you can let this river Wash away foolishness from people. 
Sir, that's what that lady I'm telling you about did for me. She opened this gushing torrent night and day until it swept me from my feet. Until every taste of nicotine I was lost. See, from the day I got born again, I lost taste of nicotine. I become offended when I see people smoke. I know what miracle that is because I came to a place on campus where people who smoke complain that I smoke. But the day I got born again, from that day till today, <laughs> what that lady did was let these rivers flow from within her and washed foolishness from me. And I'm actually saying that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost in this house, there's a fountain in you. You will need to undam it from today. <laughs> there's a river within us. What I'm saying is that most of us have been waiting for God to come down and determine what quality of life we live. One of the people who triggered that, Reverend Biodun, when he, when he was coming into Abuja, we were at the airport, we met at the airport, Biodun Fatu Ibo. So he was telling me, he said, he said you're supposed to, you know you're very anointed. He said, but from this stage of your life, you will determine what quality of life you have. You will determine how your bed chambers are filled. Meaning, these points, we're not waiting for God to tell us the dimensions of prosperity we want to have from our belly who can cause this river. And if you know him, you know he prays in the Holy Ghost. I know he was in Dexter's church and then he was preaching. But I know, then he was telling them, you know, I'm a 21st century preacher. I use every available technology to preach the gospel. Every available technology. But don't make a mistake. Success does not lie down there. Success is because I pray. Out of your belly shall flow gushing torrents of living water. This river will bring you life. Sorry, my wife. I want to just tell if I got married to my wife, she swore that they would not marry a pastor. I think she has sensed that my eyes were moving in her direction. So because she sensed it to make sure she kills any of those desires. So she began to tell me with her friends that they have sworn they will never marry a pastor. And they began to give me their reasons why they will not marry a pastor. Well, you know, the more I pray, the more I realize that that's my wife. So, so when I, what I did was I took her name and I turned to one corner. Sir, I let this river begin to flow. I just kept praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost until I laid hold of it. And shortly after I laid hold of it, my wife and a friend walked in. I thought, excuse me, I want to tell you something took her to one side. I found out I was very poetic. <laughs> when I said, when I finished talking, I said, will you marry me? She said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Sir, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. I'm going to be with Pastor Alex, Alex in Lagos on by Friday, Saturday. Alex met Bishop David Oedipo and David, Bishop David Oedipo asked him, what do you want, young man? Pastor Alex says, I want to take Lagos. I want Lagos. Bishop turned to him and said, I'm going to lay hands on you, but to take Lagos, it will take praying and fasting. Then he added, that's how we take cities. It means from your belly, you will cast your influence over a region. You will cast your influence over a region. 
He says, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. This pecky of the Holy Ghost that they believe will receive. And I believe we're believers here, yeah, amen. I will receive the Holy Ghost. One more time before we continue. In the next two minutes, I want you to let that river and give it direction today as you pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Ah, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we give you praise. I just heard in my heart, this place has been known for house of so many things that are wonderful. But from today, it will be known as the house of prayer and the house of solution. By the house of prayer, I mean that men will come here and we have solutions for their need. It will truly become the house of prayer. A fountain is rupturing and is bursting open. It's a fountain of life and is issuing out fresh water. Fresh water. Fresh water. And I hear these waters are rivers for the nations. They are rivers for the nations. They are rivers for the nations. I see you crossing borders. Crossing borders. That river is crossing borders. But it's bringing solutions to men and women from every race and from every tribe. Says the Spirit of the Lord. Lift your hands and give a praise. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know the purpose um, of prayer for us in New Testament is, is not even, I want you to say slightly, it's not slightly, it's totally different from Old Testament perspective of prayer. As new creation, I must tell you the general summary of what we do. 
prayer is surrounding the lamb and fixing her eyes in the lamb and seeing what the lamb has done and invoking what the lamb has done and insisting on what the lamb has done. <laughs> in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that when he looked, first of all, a book was sealed and nobody could open the book according to John's perspective and then um, he began to weep. But while he was weeping, an angel told him, weep not. Weep not because the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Has prevailed to open the seals thereof. But you know what the Bible says? When John turned to see the lion, what he saw was a lamb slain. And this lamb was slain in the middle of the temple. Of, of, I mean of, of heaven. But the beautiful thing is that surrounding the lamb were 20 and 4 elders. And these 20 and 4 elders had their harp and their vial of incense which represented the prayers of the saints. Simply put, the prayers of the saints surrounds the lamb. The focal point of the prayer of the saints is a lamb slain. Is a lamb slain. Is what the lamb has done for us. And that's why I like what pastor was saying earlier. We're not praying from defeat. We're praying from victory. That's why I said what I said earlier. That I come to prayer. I have no doubt. I'm not thinking whether I'll be answered. <laughs> I'm not thinking. I've been answered. I'm not wondering whether my prayers will be heard. It has been heard. First, he has given me the right standing. He has made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Being right means that you are right always. It means head or tail, you win. Let me dare tell you. Let me just shock you very well. It means even if you demand things that are not God's will, you receive it. Ah. The way some of you are looking at me. It's a blood sworn oath. He has sworn in blood. He will never change his mind. Even in the Old Testament, he gave us the foretaste. Israel were never meant to have a king. They insisted. They had it. And when God gave them a king, he didn't give them a bad king. He looked for the best for them. When the one he gave them was no good, he began to shop for another one. Because by covenant he must keep oath the one he has bounded to in blood. Yeah, pastor, the way you're talking. But the Bible says, whatsoever we desire, according to your will, he hears us. Yes. First, I'll answer you two ways. First, the punctuations in that tense spoils some things. It's not saying whatever we ask. If he falls in line with his will, his yes us. No. He's saying, whatever we ask, because of his will, in accordance to his will, he hears us. No, I'm going to give you some examples because I know your mind needs to be renewed about this. First of all, is a story in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 from verse 52 and 53. It's a popular scripture, but can we project it? Matthew 26, 52, 53. See what Jesus said. Just see what Jesus said. This is a story where Jesus was arrested and Peter, Peter took his sword and cut off one of the um, um, soldiers, the ears, and Jesus took it and slapped back <laughs> first. I like this place when I teach about the works of the flesh. When you're determined by yourself effort to perform. You know, Jesus had just said when they were in, in, in the garden, he asked Peter, please pray. If you don't pray, you'll be overtaken by temptation. He refused to pray, but Jesus prayed for him. That's why his faith was restored. Amen? But you see, Jesus told him, before the cock crow, you would have denied me three times. You know, Peter turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, gee, in my own way, he said, gee, this is Piro. This is Piro. No, I, I, I wouldn't have issues if you're talking about Thomas today. But this is Piro. This is your main G. He told Jesus, anybody that will get to you, we have to go through me. Deny you? How? 
So Jesus said, no problem. When they came to this point, he took his sword and sliced one ear. I am sure that he looked at Jesus as if, for example. <laughs> this is what I was telling you. So Jesus told him, look at and then Jesus said, Jesus said unto him, put up again your sword in his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Look at the next verse, 53. Thinkest thou that I cannot now, say now. now. Hello, say now. now. Say now. now. He said, I cannot now pray to my father. And he shall presently, say presently. He shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. What Jesus said is this. If I don't want to die right now, I will pray. And if I pray right now, I will abort, I will abort the work of the cross. He said, I will pray now. And presently, he will give me more than 12 legions of angels. And he was trying to get his attention. You know, in, in the book of uh, Isaiah 37, the Bible says that one angel entered the Assyrian camp. 185,000 died. Jesus says, I can pray and have more than 12 legions. A legion is about 6,000, is it not? 6, 7,000. And then, that times 12, is that many? That's about 72,000. Jesus is saying, if I don't want to die, and I bow my knees right now and pray, there will be manifest angel, more than 72,000 of them. And look at what he was saying. He's saying that if one took out 185,000, what will 72,000 do? And like I always add, 185,000 was not the capacity of an angel. It was what was available. It means if it was more than that, one angel was enough. They are swifter, they are faster, and they excel in strength. But Jesus says, I can pray right now, and my father will presently supply more than 12 legions of angels. Why didn't they come? He didn't pray, so they didn't come, so he died. But Jesus is saying, I can change this plan now. I can change it if I pray now. If I pray now, I can change it. How we know what is not God's will is that you don't have peace about it. So we don't pursue it. But to say, I am doing business and your business is failing. Say, maybe it's because I'm not in God's will. Rubbish. Rubbish. Let that business be like it's even partially God's will. And your heart is in it. You will put your feet on the ground and set your face on the flames. There must be this resilience in us as body of believers. That's what I was saying last time, and I want to repeat it. One of the greatest distractions in the body of Christ is the message of trying to make heaven. You want to make heaven. It has served as panic here from people from striving to become all they need to be upon the earth. Sir, you are in heaven. The Bible says, but ye are come. Not going to come. You are come to Mount Zion. Just in case you don't know Mount Zion. He says, the city of our living God. You have come to an innumerable company of angels. We are in heaven already. We are God's children. The question I'll always ask. My children just closed from school right now. That was the last of them. So, are you trying to tell me if they fail the exam, they won't come home? Because, listen, 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 listen let, me, let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you something. It first started, it first started with with the teaching on eschatology. And so many persons do not even want to build house, want to own mansions because rapture is coming very soon. Hi. 
Even if it's two days for rapture to come. Two days. <laughs> Even if it's two days. Your prayer is effective. And your prayer is powerful. <laughs> so don't let anyone tell you, maybe, okay, maybe the reason my prayer is no answer is not God's will. Sir, you don't know who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's why people do not understand Jonathan Adowi. Alison Adowi entered into some excesses when he began to teach that he is the prophet, the second, uh, the second Elijah to come. He began to preach and stretch those doctrines everywhere. People began to complain that John Alison Adowi was heretic. And then he traveled to a particular country to preach. And every preacher around there gathered together and said that nobody should attend because he was heretic. So they came to the, in the midst of the crusade and began to, you know, attack him that he was heretic. He now turned to them and asked them, why will you say I'm heretic? And I say I'm the Elijah to come. I am the Elijah to come. Okay, let me ask you. What would you want me to do for you to know that I'm the Elijah to come? A lot of people, they didn't know that this guy understood some things. There has not been rain in that country for up to a year. They now told Alexander Dowie, if you are the prophet, cause the rain to come. Isn't that a very simple matter? He lifted his up his hand in the crusade and said to God, it's for their sake I am praying because I know you hear me always. But these people standing here question the audacity of my claims as Elijah to come. I want you to make this rain to come to prove it to them. Adam the Elijah to come. As Alexander Dowie was praying, the cloud was gathering. Rain beat this guy. Now listen, does it change the fact that he was not the Elijah to come? Hello? He was not the Elijah to come. You think it's Satan that answered the prayer? Listen to me. As the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, head or tail, you win. Lord, we give you praise. That is a very serious digression. Let's go back to my message. Hallelujah. I like this church. I can feel the pool, amen. I know Pastor advised us on Wednesday, and I feel it. Put your hands together for yourselves, amen. Hallelujah. Um, God has been dealing with me about ministry in marketplaces. Is that ministry is not in church, church is where we coach you. Where the rematch is played is in your various establishments. Are you following? Signs and wonders are not primarily for this place. Signs and wonders is in the things you find yourself in. And God wants us to crown the whole of the institutions to find ourselves with the kingdom of God. There's a takeover generation. And you're listening to me here right now. God had told me of a generation of young men and women who are rising from the face of the earth with the strength of God in their hearts and the word of God in their mouth and the word of God in their hearts and the strength of God in their mouth who are running to and fro the face of this earth and giving effective leadership to our generation. God told me that these men are men of little background, feeble background, some of them of no experience, but the wisdom of the ancient is resting upon them. And men are turning and looking at them and wondering from whence cometh this man. But they look again, they know that the wisdom of God is resting upon them. These men are rising from the west, they are rising from the north, they are rising from the south, they are rising from the east, they are rising from the central part of our world. 
these men are coming with the strength and the wisdom of the Almighty upon them. And these men are sweeping our generation. And like truly it will be said of this generation, like it was said in the book of Joel, that before them is the Garden of Eden, but behind them is a desolate wilderness because they leave nothing unturned. They sweep everything as they go. We are seeing the manifestations of the glory of God in every sector of our economy by these men that are rising. And I believe men who are listening to me here right now are that men and that women that God is raising from the face of the earth. From the east they rise. From the west they rise. From the north they rise. From the south they rise. And from the central part of our earth they rise. They will never be distracted by religion. They will never be distracted by religion. There will be no difference between in and out because we are Christian all true. And part, please sit down, and part of what we are saying on Wednesday is that in this house, for instance, every one of us who are represented in this house there is a unique signature gifting God has given to you that will unlock destinies of mankind upon the earth. There's unique signature giftings represented in this house. If you let it out, it will be a particular solution to a particular question that life is asking. I am saying that the answers to the cries of humanity is embedded in the body of Christ. It is called sophonismus. And as we give vent to thee and stir it, No longer will you be a bandwagon Christian. You know what believers do? Do like what every other person do. You know, you now hear commonly what is, on, what is trending one time is Bible Salon. So everybody is opening Bible Salon. Then suddenly, what is trending is transport business. Transport business. Then, one chance movement started MMM, MMM. <laughs> then, right now, I know that everybody is farming. <laughs> and you see, as members of the body of Christ, God will bless us to the degree to which he can. You might make some measure of success from stops like that because he's tied to making you succeed. But let me tell you, nothing compares to that inner gifting. When he finds expression, it may not look like what everyone is doing. And we concluded on Wednesday that the difference between one who has seen it and one who has not seen it is stead and unstead. So Timothy told, I mean, Paul told Timothy, I bring you to remembrance that you stare the gift of God which is in you. He was not telling him to stare gifts that will come. You know, most times when we get to prayer, that's why frustration sets in our prayer. We're praying that God will do something that we think we don't have. When I get to prayer, I'm not praying for power to come. I am stirring power to be released. Because dunamis is already present. <laughs> if I am not seeing it in manifestation, it's because I am not stirring it. It's because I'm not staring. It's not because I don't have it. All that we need for life and godliness has been given to us in Christ Jesus. It's the same thing with agape. A believer who thinks he can't love like Jesus does is not just in touch with himself. Because your nature is agape. It is love like we can't find any other place. 
when Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciple. Meaning, this is the this is how we're going to know believers. You know why? Because outside believers, it cannot be found. The capacity to love like that is not in them. Even if they try, they will not be able to do. Which is why, if your love or your measure of forgiveness is still with the measure with which unbelievers can still do, you have not started. The Bible says, if you forgive those who forgive you, you attend the party of those who attend your party, you say hi to those who say hi to you. And snub those who snub you. But your nature is not like that. And the simple reason is because it is not stirred. And then we talked about Sophronismus. Amen. Hallelujah. But I, well, okay, let me just attempt to say something totally different from what I, what I wanted to say. Is that um, the Bible in the book of Hebrews says that um, we should not be slothful, but be followers of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. How did they obtain the promise? Through faith and patience. Say faith and patience. Hello, say faith and patience. How do we obtain the promise that is legally ours? Is through what? Faith and patience. Amen. But you see, the thing about faith is that before now, a lot of teachings about faith, there are good teachings about faith, but a lot of teachings about faith have made, it, made um, faith look very difficult. So most of you actually believe we don't have faith. And those teachings, what they've projected is direct opposite of what Jesus have told us about faith. Jesus said, what you need is a mustard seed faith to move a mountain-sized problem. But some of the teachings actually suggest that we need a mountain-sized faith to move a mustard seed problem. So all your life you've been trying to muster faith, faith. Are you following? And you know, the most effective faith is the unconscious faith. Once you're conscious of your faith, you're actually out of faith. Are you following? I'm, really, I'm, I'm going to talk about some things about faith. But the real issue has never been faith. It is faith and patience. And the Bible says, all that you need as faith... To move mountain-sized issue is a mustard seed faith. He says, if you have seed as little as the mustard seed. I've had a couple of persons travel to Jerusalem who came back with mustard seed for me. If one of them fall here, you can't find it. That's how small it is. It is very small. Smaller than grain of sand. That's how small it is. But the Bible, Jesus was saying, that's how little your faith ought to be to move mountain. And when Jesus was talking to them, there was a literal mountain he was pointing at. So the issue has never been with faith. Because, let me tell you all the faith that you need. The Bible in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, that you should not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but according as God has dealt with every one of us. For God has dealt with us the measure of faith. Now, that the measure of faith is definite article. Is that not? It means that faith is this common faith we all have. Hallelujah. And I want to announce in that, this house that that faith is enough. I say that faith is enough. I say that faith is enough. I know the place of feeding your feet. I know the faith of stirring your feet. But I'm saying that the faith you have in this house is what is needed. But faith works as twin with Patience. It is faith and patience.
patience that you need to obtain the promise. So most times, the failure has never been with faith. The failure has always been with patience. And what is patience? Patience in the New Testament is not passivity. It's not, I am waiting, I am waiting. Patience, New Testament patience is not, if you go and look at the word, it means persistent consistency. It means that resolute, persistent, determined persistency on a matter when your faith or when your face is set in that direction. It simply means, for instance, if you have been taught that prayer produces results, and you pray one or two days and you don't see results, you'll be a fool to stop. That it has to do with giving. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, praise and shaking together. If you are giving to try whether it works, chances are that it may not work. It is once your faith is released, you have to accompany it with a twin called persistent consistency. You persist on it. And I realize that when you have that accompany you, you may not stay too long to see the result. But when you're still not decided about wanting to stay until, you may not get the kind of results you need. You know, that was in, I think it was in Hebrews chapter 6 where he said, you'd be not be slothful, but you'd be followers of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. But you know, in Hebrews chapter 10, you know, the structure was not different. He now says, but you have need of patience. So after that you have done the will of God, you might obtain. This time faith was not mentioned. But faith was assumed. But what he says is that you have need of persistent consistency. I know so many people have said some things halfway, they just left it. They didn't stay long enough to see results come out of it. In fact, even what I'm talking about plays out even in all the business or the things you're doing, everything you do. To get results, you need to just stay with it. You need to be persistent. That's what patient. You need to be persistent. I'll never forget when my wife left the banking and started her, her consulting outfit. Those times, I remember how people take advantage of her. Some guys who get some very good job, maybe the jobs, they pay them like 1.5 million, 2 million. They'll bring my wife. My wife will do the Jackie job and then they'll give her like 40, 45K. But you know what I was telling her? <laughs> but it was those jobs that eventually helped her. There were two things I told her to do. One is persistency. Two is apprenticeship. It's something that once it is missing in what you're doing, you don't gain the full benefit. Even as a body of Christ, those, if you are not faithful in that which is another, who will commit into your hand that which is yours? And one of the things about apprenticeship is that, especially, I don't know any, I don't know any apprentice who have ever said that they treated him well as an apprentice. I realize with certain, like, let, let, let me, pardon me, but you see with the Igbos, one of the reasons why those guys can take little business and grow it is because before those little boys go to start business, they first go through apprenticeship. There is something apprenticeship gives you that nothing else can offer to you. But they are persistent. They are patient. If you meet some of those boys, towards the end of the time they want to pass out, they try to be, behave very well because their masters are looking for everything not to settle them. Are you following? <laughs> so, your best foot. Your parents will be encouraging you. You're almost there. You're almost there. <laughs> but those of them who were stubborn and were not persistent, they lost it. They lost it. How to obtain the promise in the kingdom of God is through faith and patience. But that patience is consistency. Now, in context of what we're saying, we've talked about some kind of praying. And I know that after Wednesday, your heart was probably stirred about spending some time praying. But what will bring results in your life is consistency. It's consistency. 
It's better that you pray consistently two hours every day. That you pray a mountain-sized prayer today. Maybe you pray 25 hours today. Then you now take rest. 25 hours means you added one hour to a day. Is that not? Then you now take one rest for one month. And come back again and begin to wind the engine. Then you now leave it and wait for another one month. Your story will be that people will see you as somebody who is praying, but they will not be seeing results of prayer. It is persistency. 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 And I'm telling you that your flesh will do everything to want to fight you. If you wait for your flesh to cooperate with your prayer life. <laughs> you know why I'm laughing? I can just see where your prayer will end. That's why some of you have not been the prayer warrior. You've been dreaming since you were born again. Because you've been waiting for your flesh. Are you following? Because your flesh first tells you you wake up. I don't know how many of you have been there, but that's the common story right here. Maybe after a great meeting like this, you wake up. You tell yourself, from tomorrow. From tomorrow. From tomorrow, we will stir this thing up. <laughs> then you wake up tomorrow. Your body now suggests to you that the way you are now, just wait, just go to work during the break. That one hour, give God the quality shot. Then during the break, your boss took out some amount of time. Then by when you ate, you, had, you didn't have up to one hour. So he told us, okay, okay, okay. When I get home, I'll take a clean bath. Fresh. Then you got back home and you were very tired. The same flesh told you, you can't give God remnant. So, wake up in the morning, in the cool of the day. <laughs> Answer, one day has turned to two days. It has turned to one week. And you have been dreaming, inside your dream, you have been seeing yourself as prayer warrior. You have been taking cities in your prayers. Every theology in prayer is not as effective as when you start praying. The best way to learn to pray is to start to pray. So what I'm saying is that this thing we're talking is not tomorrow as you go home today. Will your body wants to just wake up and, and, and even me who I spend a lot of time praying. But I'm not sure the most morning I wake up, my body will just wake up and say, It's not so. You wake up, you have to carry this body. And you, it's not flesh, it's not works. Because I know the body of Christ, look at tell me that this works. Look at what, okay, let's, because this works, Tina. Anyway, look at, <laughs> look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to close here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, from verse 24. I think 24 will do. 24. Let's just see the story of Paul. But let me tell your neighbor, pray. And tell your neighbor, add patience to your prayer. I tell you, neighbor, patience is consistent persistency. Do you understand that? Now look at what Paul says. Paul says, don't you know that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Because of that, run so that you may obtain. Are you following? Run so that you may obtain. Meaning, um, I was surprised that both, what's the name, Kim Todd. That, that's a mystery that happened, but I think, well, let me not say anything. But when they run, only one person is given the gold medal. But the Bible says that we can all run and obtain. Is that not good news? Because in our race, we're not competing against any man. But look at the next verse, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate. That word temperate is strict. Is strict in all things. 
is strict. Meaning, these guys who are going to compete for gold medal, they are strict. The story I like to tell. One time I was in um, um, Ethiopia, all this long distance runner. This morning, it was very cold. We were inside the car, and the car was very... In fact, with the glass warmed up, with no AC, it was still cold. I'm still, I'm still wearing my jacket on top of my waistcoat with the shirt inside. But the cold was penetrating. But when I looked through the window, I saw these long-distance runners exercising themselves. They were wearing skimpy shorts, sleeveless. They were running. And I heard they run all through the year like that. Every morning they wake up, they run. In the evening they come, they run. Now... A year after, they are going to run the long distance with some counterpart from Nigeria. <laughs> Hello. Are you following? You know, I play basketball in the national season, so I get to meet some of the athletes. Right now, that there is no tournament on. Some of them sell suits. They go to Togo, they buy suits, they sell. Some of them sell cars. Are you following? Then, when it is three months to the Olympic, they see them come out. <laughs> then they will grant press interview. And I don't know why they always like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. By the grace of God, you know, we're going to make Nigerian proud, you know. <laughs> see, the Bible is saying. The people that win the medal, they are strict, temperate in all things. Now, he says, and now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But he says, but we, we are temperate, we are strict, so that we can obtain an incorruptible crown. You know what he was saying here today? I thought I was actually going to reach there. When Jesus told his disciples, he said, some of you who are standing here, you will not see death until you see the kingdom of God made manifest in his glory. Theologians have struggled with that verse of scripture. Some say he was saying that some of the disciples will not see death. All of them have died. So that's not what he was saying. Some of them, some says, some of them are not going to see death until Jesus is crucified and they get born again. All of them didn't die. But he was saying some. But if you read in context, after he said that, the Bible says in the next verse, after six days of this statement he made to them, he took Peter, James, and John and took them up into the mountain to pray. And as he prayed... His raiment was glistering. There was an outshining. Meaning, this kingdom that is within us, some people in their lifetime will see it manifested. Hear me and hear me again. Listen to me. I will hear your story. Some of you will literally walk through a wall while on this body. While on this body. So he told them that people will see this kingdom. This kingdom comes in power and in glory. And he went the next verse to show them how to make manifest this kingdom. It's in prayer. It's in prayer. You stay there till transfiguration takes place. But I like the way he was saying it. That's now what happens. People sleep around you and touch you. They'll be healed. It's not because you had a healing anointing. It's that there's a transfiguration that has been taking place in the place of fellowship. It's that those so healed. We're going to see those kingdom. You're going to see. You hear some curious testimonies about some. Some people even think it's witchcraft. It's not witchcraft. It's not witchcraft. I, I, I was watching a clip between Ben Heen and Pastor Chris. They were showing how that. A rat study was dropped somewhere. Somebody was reading. And a little child that was crippled, who was about, I think, eight, nine years old, that was crippled, the mother was reading, and the mother left it and walked out. This boy crawled to the rat study and touched the rat study and started walking. That means that word has now become life. And you think it's happening to Pastor Chris because God said, I think I like the way he speaks English. Take. 
You think that's why it happens? No. On earth here, we can be strict and temperate in all things. And we'll see this kingdom that is within us made manifest. He said, but they, they do it to obtain corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. Look at the next verse, 26. Oh, hallelujah. I therefore, based on what I said, because of this, I run not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one beating the air. But look at this, 27. What do I do? This is what I do. This is what I do. I keep my body under and bring it into subjection. Lest by any means, when I preach to others, I myself. The literal word there is I'll, I'll be counted on feet. I'll be on feet. This scripture they used to use it to torment us in deeper life. This scripture. If you read in context, from beginning, what have you been talking about? Exercise. We are not talking about going to heaven or hell here. It's spiritual exercise. And it's fitness. The exercise is fitness to receive reward. <laughs> it's fitness. So, that part about bringing your body under is not saying you should not be saying waka. No. Is that... No, that, no, that's not what he's saying. He is saying, for instance, what I've been talking about, you wake up in the morning to want to pray. Eh? You want to pray? You want to say, Laker? Ah. Ziggy. Your whole body is instructing you. Take a little rest. But he's saying, if you want to see result, you will tell this body, I will pray. You will not tell me how to feel. How many of you have read some of those dangerous exams? In engineering, I don't know how, we used to crash a lot. You have notes piled up, it's only exam you're opening it. Those exam periods. See, see strategies to read. I've, one time I climbed the locker. Knowing that if I fall here. So even you remind yourself, you cannot fall here. <laughs> or is it when you, put, you dip your leg inside cold water? Look for coffee until coffee is no longer working. But you want to pass exam. The Bible says that same way. Sama, bring your body. And tell him, body, tomorrow morning I'm going to pray. This night. I'll pray. I'll pray. And most times when you begin to pray and your, your tongue is looking like it's dry. Let me advise you. This word of God is by faith. Oh. It, denotes, it says, the Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edified himself. He did not say, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue and feeleth fine, edified himself. It simply means, whether you're feeling fine or you're not feeling fine, whether you're feeling the zeal of the prayer or you're not feeling the zeal of the prayer, your faith is released that will, because you're speaking in an unknown tongue, you are edifying yourself. You are defying yourself. And if Satan is telling you, you are the one praying it, tell him before uncle, I am the one. <laughs> Who else speaks in tongue? It is me. You know I'm speaking to you and understanding right now. By my will, I'm going to switch now. And I'm going to speak in tongue. It is me. <laughs> Lombra costopeli de bracatabida, jolobra cosa patele bragadosa palida, shentom prande bracatole bangle brada catoliba, jo patoni grebedi fayata. I stopped by my will. 
Are you following? So Lord, let it a lie to you. But I'm telling you, give birth to a future. Set a prophetic pathway for your tomorrow. As you begin to spend time praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll find out that you step into tomorrow that is already prepared. You'll find yourself stepping into the right place at the right time, having the right things happen to you. As you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're casting your, your sphere of influence over people. Suddenly you find out that you're just very likable. You're like not because your face is actually perfect, but because there's something you exude. It is the vibes of God that comes as you pray in the Holy Ghost. But you must yield yourself to it and keep staring them. Lift your hands and give them praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj twitter.com slash standpointabj instagram.com slash standpointabj and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj